Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Yo, with Primetime on Money FM 89.3. And we're going to be starting the week by looking at some of the key macroeconomic developments over the past week and more keenly, the likely impact on the second largest market in the world, that is China. Joining me now is Aidan Yao. He's Senior Emerging Asia Economist at AXA Investment Managers. Hi, Aidan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Aidan, China constantly making the news, and more recently, the Asian Development Bank cut its growth forecast for China from 5 to 4% this year. What's your reading of all of this? Well, the cut is, uh, to be honest, uh, fairly in line with the market expectations. Uh, the market consensus uh, for China uh, growth uh, this year is around 4%, so bang in line with the ADB's latest forecast. Now, at uh, XIM, we are looking for 3.6%. Now, whether uh, it's our forecast or ADB's or the market uh, projections, we are, quite frankly, all assume that uh, the economic growth will recover fairly briskly in the second half of this year. Last week, the June activity data actually showed the recovery was uh, off to a fairly good start. Although, if you look at the high-frequency data going into July, it has cast some doubt over the strength of this recovery. So I think all these latest data suggest that the path to the recovery will remain fairly bumpy and highly uncertain. Mm. I think uncertainty is the name of the game, isn't it? Especially when we talk about China and the fact that the COVID zero policy is still in place. Your reading of how long the Chinese government will continue in this vein? Well, that's a million dollar question and uh, obviously very difficult to predict. I think the COVID policy itself is going to be contingent on the evolution of the virus, first and foremost. You know, if uh, the mutation of the virus continue to see its deadliness come down, uh, and uh, eventually reach a uh, um, you know, similar level as a season code, and then that certainly gives uh, a lot of uh, confidence for Chinese uh, authorities to move away from the current policy and to fully liberalize. Um, I think what is quite interesting was last week uh, the Chinese uh, House Commission host uh, a conference, a two-hour conference on uh, vaccine and the vaccination. And, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into a single event, but, you know, if that is a trend that China is, is starting to embark, which is uh, significantly scaling up the vaccine coverage, particularly for the elderly population, then certainly that's a move in the right direction towards, you know, uh, moving away from lockdowns and uh, and full liberalization. In the meantime, we are seeing the Chinese government take certain measures to help prop up the economy or at least talk about taking several measures to do so. For one thing, regulators recently came forward to urge banks to increase lending to developers in order for them to complete unfinished housing projects. How effective would such a move be, Aiden? I, I think the effectiveness of these measures will be highly contingent on the speed and the forcefulness at which uh, the governments and authorities move to contain uh, contagion risk. We saw the mortgage boycott problem spread in recent weeks from initial um, 50 projects nationwide to over 300 projects across many provinces. But as uh, the news spread uh, and the local governments, banks, financial regulators took action in recent time, the spread of that problem has notably eased just over the past wave. So I guess if the problem is well contained, uh, we don't think it will pose a serious systematic risk to China. 
just one more thing on that. Uh, you know, some people have uh, compared China's problem with uh, the subprime problem in the U.S. in 07, 08. I think there are a number of uh, key differences. Number mm. one, the Chinese households uh, are not... Uh, unable to pay. They are unwilling to service the mortgage because of the delayed delivery of their homes. Number two, the real estate problem in China is on the side of developers, not on the household, which make it easier for the government to pay out. And number three, China doesn't have a lot of derivatives. Um, the ABS, the MBS, the CDS of the uh, late uh, 2010s was a serious amplifier of the U.S. problem, and China doesn't have that. This is not to downplay the significance of this issue, but simply point out that there are notable uh, different characteristics. Mm. While there may not be parallels in this case, do you see parallels with other potentially dangerous situations or scenarios that we might have seen around the world? For sure. I mean, uh, in Japan, remember that uh, the last decade was started with the burst of uh, the real estate bubble, obviously uh, also supplemented by the real, uh, the, the equity uh, bur- um, burst of bubble in the equity market as well. So, I mean, if you look across the world, a lot of uh, the economic and financial crisis of the recent memory have been triggered by the housing market problem. And so in that regard, even though that China uh, has China's issue has a very different characteristics and traits, this is not something that we should have taken lightly. This is a, a sector that make up a quarter of the Chinese economy. So any problem uh, could degenerate into uh, a quite a major disaster for the entire macro system. So I think the Chinese government and authorities need to act fast. Now, what else do you expect in terms of fiscal support? The Chinese government has talked about this a great deal, but how far do you expect it to go in order to achieve the growth target for the year? I I think if they want to hit the growth target, which was announced at 5.5%, we're going to need a lot of stimulus. But quite frankly, I I, I don't think that's what they are aiming for anymore. In Mm -hmm. fact, last week, we had a comment from the Premier Li Keqiang suggesting that Beijing has become a lot more realistic about heading what is now widely seen as an unrealistic goal. Now, that being said, we do see more policy support coming through to foster this still nation the recovery heading into the party congress and as you mentioned on the fiscal side uh, we think that the most likely um, sort of a measure is the front loading of next year's special bond quota in h2 to sustain the infrastructure investment momentum and also potentially boost the consumption on the monetary side we think that the deepening uh, de- uh, deepening housing market uh, problem also calls for further reduction in the mortgage interest rate as well as some target liquidity injection by PBOC potentially through the policy banks as well. So I think both the monetary and the fiscal policies will have to do more heavy lifting. In the face of possible lockdowns and lockdowns in major Chinese cities, how will all of this fiscal stimulus really hold up the economy? That's a, that's a very good question. You know, if uh, um, the cities are in lockdown, the economy is uh, in standstill and people cannot uh, go out uh, to spend and businesses cannot uh, open up uh, to invest, then it doesn't really matter how much uh, liquidity you inject into the economy. Mm. You're not going to have that translated economic growth. So I think uh, the, the key to our, uh, you know, 3.6% projection, which embed uh, quite a 
decent recovery in the second half. It's really a collaboration between the counter-cyclical policies of monetary and fiscal uh, policy support and uh, a continued recalibration of China's COVID policy to strike a better balance between economic growth and uh, virus containment. So both things need to move in the same direction and in tandem to generate uh, uh, the kind of uh, economic recovery that we and the market is looking for. At the end of the day, Aiden, how would you advise investors when it comes to China? I, I think for the financial market, uh, I'm not uh, that downbeat, to be honest. I think clearly the macro uh, risks uh, are out there. However, you, you know, if you look at the bond market, especially the credit market, as well as the equity market, they have corrected a long way over the past year and a half. So that tells me that the valuation uh, is uh, um, already below uh, historical average, suggesting that a lot of the bad news has already been priced in. Number two, China doesn't have an inflation problem uh, like the U.S. and Europe. So that doesn't really hamstring uh, PBOC's ability to provide a policy easing. And number three, even though that the growth is a subpar, we are looking for sequential economic growth uh, improving in the second half of this year. And just finally, we know that a lot of equity market correction was a result of a regulatory tightening for the platform company for education sector and so on. And we are seeing the uh, wind shifting in that uh, uh, regulatory uh, dynamic as well. So I, I, even though that we are cautious about the Chinese economy, we are not uh, uh, that um, sort of uh, downbeat about the Chinese uh, assets as, at all. Thank you very much for that, Aidan. Aidan Yao, Senior Emerging Asia Economist at AXA Investment Managers. Thank you so much for joining us on Market View on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.